recording is on. It's red. And I'm not going to edit that part out. All right, fine. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. The name of this podcast, TVD. Right. I'm your host, Martin Foster, regardless. Yeah, you are. And my guest. Well, first of all, my observer for this episode is the one they call Carnage. And if you know, you know. You yeah. either know her or you don't. It's like the Costa Notra. <laughs> and she's someone that I called out. I threw, I threw professional, polite shade at her in a previous podcast that I did recently. PPS, professional polite yeah, shade? Yeah, it's a okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. And she action. hasn't said anything, so I know she hasn't listened to it. Or maybe it's just coming. So I asked her, hey, you listened to this podcast? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, no, you didn't because you have not commented. With that said, the guest is, I'm trying to think what's a good wrestling like intro for you. The Macho Man Nature Boy. No, no. Yeah, yeah. The Macho Man Nature Boy. No. They're from Parts Unknown. From Parts <laughs> Unknown, weighing in at a a lean 170 and coming in a towering 5'11". 5'9". 5'9". Podcast ad, adds two inches of height. It does, it does. Okay. My guest is Les Boy. Hello, hello, people who might be listening to this, depending on what vehicle you're listening to it on. How are you guys doing? It's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time, you we and have. I. We finally got to make it happen. We did make it happen. It only took three years. It took three years. <laughs> That's okay, because we've been on different paths, but just doing our own thing and trying to make the world a better place. Hey, first of all, what do you think about podcasting? This just as me- like mentorship and just as a way to connect with people. I think it's like the next logical progression for for mentorship. If you look at like the the, the reading list for like the 16th Air Force, they've gone from books because it used to be a reading list, but now they have like YouTube videos yeah. and audio books. And so if you think about how um, we've kind of shifted from a monoculture where it's like, this is all that we provide you and you pick something from this a la carte and like, that's all you have available to you to like more accessibility. Like, I don't want to listen to this now. I want to listen to this that way. Podcasts just seem like the natural progression. So I think it's a really smart way of making the technology get to the audience at the right time in the right place. That's awesome. I wanted you have have you on as a guest for the podcast because you and I have had a lot of like just deep conversations over the past couple of years. Yeah whether we're talking about sports or life, but we talk a lot about the subject of leadership and mentorship and just things that fall into those categories. But you said something to me about a month ago and you talked about toxic followership. So expound. Yeah. So toxicity is just a word that we use, even though we don't really know what it means anymore. But you see, uh, whether it's through the right Facebook group or some resiliency meeting, people throw toxic leadership out all the time. And I think it's apropos in some cases, but I think it only scratches the surface because sometimes you can have a leader made toxic by his followers. And I think that we just need to put the onus on where it belongs. So if you look at people who prop up problematic folks or you think about people who take advantage of charismatic, but maybe unwittingly suboptimal leaders. Yeah. But they kind of, they, they, they thrive in that gray space. Like those people are just as problematic as the toxic leaders. So we, I don't, I don't think we do enough looking at the toxic followers that prop up these people that we just give the label to toxic leaders, right? Like mm-hmm. Ronald McDonald's not making anybody fat. It's McDonald's, <laughs> but like, we're going to pitchfork and like go out and like burn torches and like go after Ronald McDonald. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So why is toxic followership dangerous? Um, It's dangerous because very rarely is very rarely 
and especially like in in the weird shift that the military is kind of going towards, where it is a little bit more progressive and grassroots as opposed to like this is the leader and like why are you not following this order yeah it it treats the symptom but not the actual cause so you'll see this leader blamed for all of these things that are going on in a unit or an organization but that organization is made of people and if those people would say like this is absolutely not going to happen like people can oust a leader people can course correct a leader but if it's advantageous for you to stay the course then you become a toxic follower and those toxic followers are what really make the unit bad. And it's hard to remedy because they're so entrenched at all levels of the organization that you feel like at a certain point, right? Like, is this the way, am am I thinking, right? You lose, you lose your validation. So like when you look at these toxic followers and like they're kind of succeeding, you're like, am I, am I, Am I doing it wrong? Like, should I be doing this? And so it steers a squadron poorly, but it also perpetuates a cycle to where people also become toxic followers. And then when that leader changes, the organization stays exactly the same. So do you have any stories or example from your career where you saw a toxic leader and toxic followers just followed that person blindly? Yeah, absolutely. I have a story that I'll tell, but I'm just going to tread lightly because these are people. It's, it's not just my story. So we had a, uh, a unit that we were assigned to and we worked nights and we worked five on, two off mm. because the commander at the time said, if I work five days a week and I'm the commander, everybody else can work five days a week. Well, we're on nights. <laughs> so, but, you know, he's the boss because we followed orders back then. And so, you know, we're working and we worked like 9 to 10 p.m. to like 6 to 7 in the morning. So we get off shift and it's 7 in the morning, but where we work is not where our unit is. So we have to like drive across. We shouldn't have been driving. We had to drive across the base to get to the home unit. And then we have to go plot in because something else that good folks did back in the day was we checked our email because accountability was still a thing. So you check your email. And of course, the email isn't where we work because that would be ridiculous. So we're checking it and we have to go through this thing called Commander's Hallway. And it's uh, where you put all of the people that can scare you. Imagine like a New York alley, but instead of like muggers and bums, it is like your DO and your commander in shirt. Is it like the remember the scene from the Warriors or like just the movie period where it's not not like the Warriors? No, okay. Well, you know, the people have to go from like they got to make from one point to another, and they have to. No, I get. I said not not. Yeah. <laughs> and so in the end of this hallway is the uh, Internet Cafe, which is also an antiquated term because everybody didn't used to get a computer. So go check the Internet Cafe, and we're coming back, and I'm walking with somebody, and he's talking about how tired he is and rightfully so because mission leads stay longer than the crew and this do pops out of his office and he says oh stop complaining and he hits the guy in the chest so this is a do hitting a staff sergeant in the chest right in the sternum great grouping and crumples him like a paper cup falls to the ground and he just goes back in his office like he was popping out to say hi i'm i'm shocked and immediately out of the commander's hallway, like the scene from Wizard of Oz where the house falls and like all yeah. of the, the the people of Munchkin land start coming out to see what happened. All these senior NCOs come out and they're not checking to see if he's OK. They don't go and they ask the deal. What the hell was that? They go, oh, you know how he is. You know, hey, hey, come on. Like, you know how he is. Like, oh, that's just him. And like they're making excuses. And at that point, I realized that that guy's not the problem. He's problematic, but he's not the yeah. problem. And like all of these people who witnessed this thing 
circled around and it wasn't to support us and to confront the DO. And it wasn't even to check on the well-being of the person. It was kind of to silence us and to kind of like reassure us that what had happened was normal. And so in that instance, I was like, this person could be gone, but you all would have ran out here to protect anybody anyway. So what is it about him? Like, what is it about this situation that makes you run to support him, even though you realize this violation? Fast forward, and this guy, he became far, far worse in the Air Force. And and there are stories out there about him, but he was eventually ousted. But the thing that I laugh about is that if you go and you Google him, you look at all the stories and the exposés that were written about him, they never use the word toxic. They call him problematic. They say a whirlwind of bad leadership. They never call him toxic. Yeah. Assigning that word to where it belongs is very, very important. And I would, in that case, I would call him problematic. I would call him hyper aggressive. I would call him, he had a lack of empathy, but I think the toxicity was on those people who thought it more important to not rock the boat. So I bet they really got a bunch of really good EPR ratings. (laughs) That's a great point because I think, and you and I have talked extensively about just the overuse phrase or term of toxic leadership. And it just seems it's everywhere, right? Agreed. But I never thought about toxic followership. Yep. So if you think about what toxic is and, you know, malicious, problematic, and then you think about what a follower is, like people who go along or a group that identifies for this in-group, out-group, you put them together. Like, I think I think that we have seen it. And I think that it's because it's not addressed or pointed out, it actually perpetuates. And we've done several things, I think, as an Air Force to lean towards toxic followership and kind of perpetuate it and not even like really think about it. Yeah. We went from an open door air for, open door policy air force to like I can just vent on social media, and no one will fact check it. No one will ask me the other side, right? It's immediate support. Yeah, and then you can take that and leverage it against whoever you want, right? I feel like that is a is a is a form of toxic followership itself because very rarely, and sometimes I go in because I want to help. No one ever, when I ask like, hey, have you talked to this person about it? No, 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 no. But but you you put it out here to the masses. Have you gone above that person? No, 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 no. I just want validation. Yeah. I want 70 likes, a thousand hearts. Yeah. And a sad face for some reason. And I want to use that to make me feel validated. And then I can take that and I can spread that out laterally. Right. Yeah. So I'm, in, I'm, 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 I'm charging other people to be on my side. only look at things from my way. This really, really myop, myopic view. The more people I get to buy in on it and I take people away from confrontation, which isn't neither, again, positive or negative, right? I can have a confrontation with you. It's like, hey, that was a really, really good conversation. Or like, hey, we needed to have that meeting. Right. And I've told people, like, this is the way to get validated without actually having to do anything. Like, I think that helps perpetuate it too. But that seems to be the tool du jour right now for having people voice their concerns. Really, all we have is the deox. Like, I get one crack, maybe year, maybe a little bit more frequently if somebody really, really cares about it, to say bad things. Yeah. Going back to your story, when the DO punched that that individual in the chest, and you talked about just the lack of action from senior NCOs and just just people in, in general blindly following that DO, but how did that impact overall morale? I would say like over the next like year, like did it kind of like set forth like other actions or? It did from from the macro level. It created a huge rift for days versus nights. So people didn't want to go back to the unit. People would. The mission center was on one side of the uh, base and the home unit was on the other side of the base. So the ops floor was geographically separated from the unit and people didn't want to go to the unit. Like they would just not check emails. Like they would, you know, call a friend to like ask if there was, if they were due for anything. And so it made a huge rift between days and nights for one created like a, a double tier of leadership because yeah. you would have your night's leadership and like that would be the one to inter- 
interact with the day's leadership. And so we had flights that are supposed to be these small units that were, that were uh, rifted and impacted. That individual got out because there's no way for you to convince him that the Air Force has his best actions in mind. There's, there's no briefing. There's no um, first-term airman counseling that you take a guy who got decked by his DO to make him believe in the Air Force again, right? So he got out and like to this day, he's still like ate up about it as, as a civilian with a beard. For a long time, it, it caused for me to have a deep, deep distrust of senior NCOs. Cause like, I don't, when I look at you, right? Like I, I don't know what side of the fence you're going to fall. Like you might as well have bird eyes and I can't see your soul behind them. Are, are you here as my senior leader to like get me right and like show me the path? Or are you here to like be like the weird henchman in this movie to this bad guy. And like, I couldn't tell. And it, it uh, really, really skewed my view of uh, senior NCOs for a long time in my career. Do you think people would just purposely ignore the toxic followership? Like, I think it's something we all, we pr- probably see and ignore because we're afraid to admit the, I always think of things in terms of the second and third order of effects, right? The impact. But yeah, do you think people are just purposely afraid to admit that? I don't think that we get a chance to go to the second and third order effects because it depends on how the toxic followership manifests itself, right? So it's really easy to see if there's an in-group and out-group. And that's right. If, if it's like, we don't care about being toxic followers. We've seen it. It's the roving pack of X people as like a weird table at a cafeteria in a yeah. school. Like these are guys that hang together. It's a very, very in-group mentality. And when you can see that in these people kind of reap the benefits of like being nestled underneath the leader, regardless of whether the leader is toxic or not. Like that's toxic followership that we can see. That's the easiest way to manifest it in an in-group or out-group. I think you can't really start to point the second and third order effects until you see the first order effects of it. And a lot of times they're just people that I'm just a yes man, but you never get access to the meeting where they're saying yes for, or they're throwing their people under the bus, but you're never behind the closed door where the throwing under the bus takes effect. And so I think that's why it's particularly dangerous. Yeah. Also, when people are kind of resistant to questions, like I remember how much why used to be like, if I said why, Zeus would strike me down from Mount Olympus <laughs> with a lightning bolt. Because yeah. I, but I dare question. But you also think about the fact that most people are taught like critical thinking skills and analytics and like it seems counterintuitive, right? Like you right. teach me critical thinking, you'll send me and pay money to have, I, I don't know, like Simon Seminet come out and talk to me for four weeks at a library for critical thinking. Then I bring me back into a unit and then you say, hey, everybody just show up at five o'clock to meet at the library that opens at seven. And you go, but why? You're like, how dare you question me? <laughs> right. But when people don't want to explain themselves, but they're also like not the top of the food chain. I think that that's something that we could probably be more aware of. It is what it is. It's probably, to me, is a huge indicator of like, I've given up, but this works for me. I think that a lot of the problems, if you, if, and I don't want to oversimplify, but I think a lot of the problems that you see from toxic followership manifest themselves in someone either not wanting to ask the question and put the spotlight on themselves, or this is advantageous for me and it really doesn't affect me that much. And that accounts for, I would say a large, I don't want to use percentages, but like a large percentage of the problems in a unit are because like somebody just didn't care. And like now you're running around with your head cut off yeah, because like somebody could have stopped it, but like, "Ah, I really don't want to, doesn't really work for me. I'll put it to you again like this too. Here's another uh, example that you could probably relate to. Have you ever been at like a DV meeting or like an all call and like one of your peers goes over and says, Hey man, you should ask him about this. You're like, you have the same rank as me and a same voice. And it's clearly your idea. Why are are you not asking this question? Are your hands broken? You can't stand up? Are you in a wheelchair? Right? Exactly. It's toxic. I I have a good thing and it's going to affect my people. But if I ask it, it will spotlight me to the rest of my toxic 
Crusaders. <laughs> so I need you to do it for me so I can stay toxic. You, like that's something that happens that people don't really think about it. But like, and you're probably just like, yeah, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'll ask the question. You don't think about it, right? Never think twice about it. But to well, me, I like, think that's about pretty the all call that like a year ago that you and I went to, and hey. we were like, you know what? Separately from across the auditorium, like we asked separate questions, and everyone's like, oh, yeah. hello. This affects three thousand of my airmen. Can you yeah. please talk about it a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I just want to talk about it. Oh my god. Yeah. Right. I think that these are weird ways that toxic followership manifests itself because it's safer for me to not say anything and just go along. But if I'm really, really skilled at toxic followership, I can leverage this to use flattery if the leader is egotistical or charismatic, but not toxic. And like, now I got have this positioning. I can use it to be a workhorse if the leader is kind of lazy and like, he doesn't really want to do it. I can take it all for him and now I look hardworking, but really like now you've just given me a bunch of power and like I get to wield it and I speak behalf on behalf of the commander or the mega chief or whoever I work for, or like I'm complicit. And this person has a bad idea and like, no, it is a bad, it is a bad idea. But we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Cause I'm, cause I'm a henchman. Right. So there's, there's different ways that toxic followers can leverage a leader who may or may not be somewhere on the spectrum of toxicity and make it advantageous for themselves. And some people will call that politicking. They're like, oh, he's just really yeah. good. He's, he knows how to play the game. Like, what, what are you talking about? If this doesn't work for everyone, then it's probably problematic. And if it's a special situation for you, I get that. Some people have credit in the bank, right? I've done enough things to where I get a little bit of special privilege. I get that. I'm not really a big believer in the word fair. But when you start seeing it manifest itself to where like, this is clearly wrong and it only applies to these people in the out group, I think that that's when it becomes really, really bad. And airmen come up and they see people who are successful. Those are the people they want to emulate, right? So there's a guy over here doing it the hard road, but the righteous way. There's this guy over here that's like not really doing anything, but you know, he goes to the right, like NASCAR event. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to learn how to play NASCAR. Like, I'm still never going to play golf to this day. <laughs> what are you going to do? Go. To, I'll drive the cart. How do we change this culture? Because I feel we have a, I think we have a culture where, you know, people are quick to accuse, call someone toxic. Like, oh, you said I can't go to lunch today. You're a toxic leader, you know, toxic followership. But how do we change this, this culture where people are afraid to take accountability and personal res- responsibility? How do we change it? I don't know. I mean, uh, so I think that it, it starts with the man in the mirror, right? So like, am I, am I a part of this? Like, do I make someone's life harder for things to be easy for me? And I think that a, a really easy way to ask that, cause that's kind of like nebulous is like value added. Yeah. Right. So like, if I do this thing, is there value added for my organization and my airmen? Or is there value added for me? And if the answer isn't value added for my organization and my airmen, then like you should probably ask yourself like why you're doing it. Yeah. There's a time to be, you know, take a knee or whatever the the the, the phrase du jour is, you know, be selfish if it, if it has to do with you, work life balance. But like the majority of things you do professionally should be value added to your airmen. If it's not, then I think that that's a good starting point. The second part is we just gotta have a little bit more mental endurance, right? Like sometimes a meeting's gotta go ninety minutes instead of forty five. And who cares if if Dunkin' Donuts closes at three thirty and you're really trying to get a frappe? Like who cares? Like meet, meetings need to run along because sometimes people need to talk things out. And I think that everybody's like, if I shut up, we can get out of here in forty minutes and I don't care what happens to these airmen. Man, he told us that this formation is gonna be on a Friday, but he met Thursday, but I'm not saying anything about that either. And 
there's I know he's gonna ask about this visitor and I wanna take the visitor around and walk the visitor's dog because that's gonna make me look good later. So I'm gonna volunteer before he asks and not think about if anybody else needs that opportunity. Like there's all these things that I feel like if somebody went, Yeah, but it would probably be a better meeting. So my personal thing is that every inverted stripe that an enlisted person has is one yeah, but that they should be using righteously, right? Yeah. So if you're a chief and you haven't gone like, yeah, but like at least three times in a meeting and there's some like shenanigans happening, then like you should probably be questioning those things, right? But people are like, oh, I don't want this meeting to last an hour and one minute. It's only supposed to be an hour. My feelings, my emotions, my resiliency. Like don't talk about resiliency if you can't stay in a meeting for like an hour and one minute because like you're airmen working 12s. Right. So, so I know, I know those are two simple things, but just adding if value is added and then having some of the endurance for people to kind of sanity check some of the things that happen in the decisions in the meeting and the meeting will tell you a lot. One, right. If, if it makes sense and there'll be, I think there'll be majority consensus or you can at least explain it. And even if you don't agree with it, you can walk away from it knowing that like, it sounds bad, but here's a logic that we got to, and you don't, you're not afraid. To, to be transparent about it, right? Like, yeah. you don't have to say who said what, but like, this is the logic that got us to this point. From that, there'll be people that want to take it offline. Hey, uh, can, can I stay behind and talk to you, chief? Uh, <laughs> and these, these meddling kids are trying to foil our plans, right? And I feel like that's a pretty good indicator too. Like, why, like hey, we're talking about all of the airmen. In the why do you need to talk to him one-on-one about all of the airmen in the squadron? That we go, why, 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 <laughs> why? Who, 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 who? So I, and, and so the more and more of those, like, this is a general conversation that we're all talking about and it's not a personal matter that has to do with me at all, but people start saying like, okay, I'll just talk to you offline. I'll stay behind and talk to you. Why? Because you're trying to inch your way in. Mm-hmm. Whole court and street. This is a meeting, right? We, we'll sit up here and we'll talk about, you know, Aaron who failed. This guy has this health issue. We'll put it all out on the streets. What is, like, we're talking about PII. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about at-risk airmen. We're talking about people's careers. And whatever you have to say, like, what, what is, what do you have that's so sensitive right now that you can't say it in this room? We're talking about all these issues that are leadership issue. Nothing. You're just trying to hide it because it helps you stay toxic. That's good. Oh, just my thoughts. I don't think I asked too many questions and that's, that's good, man. This is good. Just organic conversation. Before I switch gears, is there anything else on your mind? And that's not a trick question. I know I'm kind of, I'm, no, I'm smiling no, you're my right therapist, now. Like, like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> gotcha. No, no. Uh, I, I, I think that the, the question of, Am I a toxic follower? And then is there toxic followers in my organization that could prop up a leader and either take advantage of that leader or help a toxic leader stay toxic? It's something we should be asking ourselves before we are so quick to bash the figurehead. When it's just the one person, like everybody knows it and they will come together like the Avengers trying to oust Thanos from Earth. Yeah. I I find that to very, very rarely be the case. Because usually, like, it's noted and then that person's out of there. So it's probably the latter. And then just having the, the, the bravery and, and, the, and the, the, the courage of conviction to actually be the person that kind of calls it out. Because it's super hard to call out a peer. And I've, I've personally done that. And there, <laughs> it's like, oh, man, there's all these people staying beside me before. Now, my, now I'm by myself. <laughs> yeah, you go to sleep with the tribe and wake up and they've shifted the camp. Yeah. Just a little bit to the left. And now, now you're not in the circle of wagons. So, I mean, and, and, you know, be, being out there alone and unafraid on that branch is, is, is hard. But yeah. if, if I don't want to do a tree analogy and talk about steady roots and I don't want to do that, but yeah, that's where you. that's going. But 
but uh, if it's the right thing and it's righteous, then like more people will will realize it. And I think that overall we can have a more transparent and better unit that has value added towards our airmen and our mission. True. Instead of like five people getting over all the time. <laughs> We've seen it. Count them. Say names. No, don't. No. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. We did like screw this person. I don't even them. know where this podcast is going to air. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. So sw- totally switching gears. What books you reading right now? What book do you recommend to people right now or that they get passionate or when you just, cause you're very open-minded, which is something I've always highly respected about you. And yeah, just open-minded. Like you try to think from, think of things from different point of views and you make your own decisions, but what are some books that help influenced you? That have influenced me. I, I, I read a lot. I, I, I don't want to sit here and say like these books are the totality of who I am. I'm a really big fan of flowers by Algernon from, from by Daniel Keyes. Okay. For those that don't know, or it wasn't assigned to you in like fifth grade or something like that. It's basically about a person who's mentally handicapped and there's a little mouse called Algernon and they perform a surgery to make Algernon the mouse super smart. And then they say, okay, we need to do this on a human. And they get this guy because, like, he can't really sign over his rights. He doesn't really know what's going on. He's already mentally handicapped. And so they perform the surgery on him. And then he becomes hyper intelligent to the point where it scares the researchers. But he sees his world in a new light. It, it really is a testament to kind of like j- just how a little bit of, of awareness changes your interactions with people. Like, is this person being nice to me? And is he my buddy or is he being condescending? And I'm just not in on the joke, right? And so uh, I always, like, I think it's hands down my favorite book, even though it's fiction. But it's uh, really, really good about looking at situations and turning it on their head. And, like, what just a little bit of enlightenment uh, does and then how people treat you when you are uh, in on the joke. A book that I'm reading right now that I think is great for everybody is uh, Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Have you, have you no but i'm reading outliers right now so i'm a big fan of malcolm gladwell and then i saw him on on the breakfast club and yeah. i was like i love this guy yeah. yeah so talking to strangers uses the the sandra bland case and a bunch of other case studies to talk about how that interaction which if, i don't know if anybody's ever seen it starts off as pretty like congenial above board just devolves but it, it causes you to really think about a lot of concepts with interactions like definitely turned me on my head, right? Like he talks about, there's a case study that he looks where a plaintiff is trying to leverage a complaint, but she's wearing a burqa and he can't, and the judge can't see her face. And the judge asks her to take it off. And she says, no, I'm not going to. And he throws out the case because he said, if I can't see you, then I don't know how to judge this case. Which if you think about it's like a crazy thing to say, because you're a judge. Yeah. That's what you do for a living, right? So the facts of the case should be enough. So we rely on these things. Like, you know, we, we have a bias towards trust. So we, uh, or truth. So we want to believe that people are telling the truth and we, in our heads, you've probably done it too. I know yeah, I've done it. Like, absolutely. like when somebody will say something and it sounds asinine and it sounds made up. I say sounds made up all the time, but it sounds made up. But what do we do? We try to rationalize it. And we say like, what could this person possibly be doing? We you might be benefit of the doubt, but in a lot of cases, people kind of prey on that. They talk about uh, mismatch signals, right? If there's a person and you know that they stole something and you talk to them and they're blushing and turning red, right? You are lying and your body language says you're lying. So it's great. But mismatch signals where a person is like, has a nervous, like I'm playing with my hair because I'm super nervous or maybe I need to explain myself. Like, no, I definitely turned the EPR in on time because I, I, I turned it in at 643 and then I tried to give it to uh, the airman in the CSS. But then he told me that he had a PT test, but I definitely turned it in on time. Like you sound like you're lying. Yeah. But if that person's telling the truth, we are horrible at doing that. Right. Because we want to say like, oh, look at like all these nervous twitches. Like, because like we think we're on CSI. And like we have, we like, we're like, 
we don't listen to truth. And so mismatch signals is something else that he talks about a lot in there too. I'm still going through it because it's, it's so good that I find myself going back and like going back over chapters. They talk about Hitler and like people knowing objectively that Hitler was a bad leader, but other people like Chamberlain going and actually meeting him and then people getting a different impression. Like Chamberlain says like, Oh, he gave me a two handed handshake and you know, reserved for like people that he has the most respect for. I don't think he's about to attack this country. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. And you knew he was going to, and that's why you came out here to talk to him, but you meet people and like, we, we, we value that face to face. So it's all these things that we do. And we run into commonly a lot in the military that I think that some of these, um, these fallacies that we buy into, if you think about a boards process, right? Like yeah. we won't give a guy, we won't give a guy senior airman majority of the time until he dresses up in a full service dress. And then he comes in and meets these board of strangers and we judge him on his appearance, but we don't put a photo and a board for somebody for senior in chief. Right. So what is it about this face to face interaction? That we feel like we're we're gleaning from people. Right. So it's a little bit of mixed messaging. Some would say a contradiction. <laughs> Shout out to Carnage that we that we deal with and we walk and talk with. And, and, and it's fascinating. And I find my brain being reprogrammed because I'm pretty staunch in my beliefs. But you can't argue with the facts. And so I think that if you want to start talking about just the way that you see the world and your perceptions and kind of fixing you the way you interact, talking to strangers about Malcolm Gladwell, I think, is uh, like a must read. That's good. No, I appreciate it. That's a good, uh, another perspective. Something else I'm going to ask you, is there someone within that's in the six ninety second right now that you look up to or you consider like a mentor? No, but I get really inspired by the airmen. So like this weird split to where like we work for Bob and Nancy, but ask, answer the colonels and chiefs is hard for a lot of senior NCOs to bridge and we'll complain about it. People will say like, I don't like working for this dude because he has a beard and we'll move him. And we'll do a bunch of crazy stuff. Like the airmen don't get a choice, right? We take airmen and we put them into this environment. We say, yeah, it's going to be weird. But make sure you listen to me and listen to him. And like compliance is just a thing. And they and they do it. And like it's it's fantastic. And so the way that they earnestly trust and then they – when they see their barriers, shout out to Kobe Bryant. When they see these obstacles, instead of pointing out obstacles and talking about how they're unfair – putting the obstacle up to someone else, like they adapt and they find ways to get around it. Like the way Kobe Bryant used to do in the paint when he used to get his two point jump shots off at 16 feet before everybody started valuing spaces and three pointers. Shout out to Kobe Bryant. And so they, 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 they are built to adapt things that they don't have the power to complain about. If an airman came to you and said like, Hey, I don't like working for, for Steve in his Hawaiian shirt and his ponytail. I need to move. You'd be like, well, did Steve touch you? <laughs> well, what is a what's the paperwork background on Steve? But if Master Sergeant Airman came and was like, I don't like working with Steve, He'd like, oh yeah, is it hostile? Is it wanna 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 move you? Best move for for the career and blah 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 blah. That, that that Master Sergeant is closer to retirement than that Airman, right? Yeah. And so when you don't have a choice, you adapt. And I find that the Airmen of the six ninety second specifically are more adaptive and higher performing than I think that they would be if they had the option to complain and to get moved. And so while I think that there's a lot of people that I learn from and I would have great conversations with in the 692nd that are higher ranking than me or my peers, I am most inspired by the work that the airmen are doing. That's awesome. That's a great perspective. So thanks for sharing that. One last question. If there's a movie image that depicts leadership, who or what comes to mind? I feel like office space is what you end up hearing the, the, the majority of the time. And I don't want to be that guy because it's super easy. But yeah, you ask me, like, are, do you mean? Carnage, do you like that question? Is that a good question? I, 
That is a good question. I mean, because like everybody, I feel like everybody wants it to be Band of Brothers, but it's not. I've never heard that one though. I get patent because that is one question I ask on whatever podcast I'm doing, whether it's a six nine second podcast or my own personal podcast. But I, I do ask that question. Most of the conversations, I try to keep it pro- uh, primarily organic. That's something I like to hear perspective of. But I get ban- or uh, patent a lot. Uh, office space is pretty common. Mm-hmm. I think that might be it. Those seem I, to be the the most two. So I think I think Banner Brothers is actually a pretty good one, right? Because Office Space is just because like we're all kind of cynical and we like to complain, and so we look at the worst things and we exaggerate them. And, and uh, everybody hates printers, and it's always out of ink, or there's yeah. nine copies of it. And I don't know which one connects. I'm just trying to print out this thing that I shouldn't have to print out because we're a paperless Air Force. So I, I, I get it, and that always holds a spark near and dear to my heart. But I think Banner Brothers is probably good because you look at those guys as individuals. And then you look at how they function as a team and you get to see the leadership and the lower level. You got to see that progression. I think where people kind of lean towards like Patton, Eisenhower is because these are larger than life figures in the way that they command. But uh, it's also because like, I don't feel like I have that ability to do that. Yeah. Or, I, or maybe I feel a little bit disempowered and like that person under the leadership, I feel like I'd be safer. Right. But like, are you going to be like, are you going to be Sergeant Winters who goes into Major Winters maybe, right? Like, that's a journey where you're like, you look at these guys in Bastogne, like, getting all together and, like, working together as a team of these individuals. I think that um, the more and more the Air Force becomes a pocket of small teams that have to cross-functionally work together to be called an organization because that's what you have to do now, you start to really value the members of your team to your left and your right. And we become compartmentalized, but we accomplish fantastic things. So I would say Band of Brothers. Final answer. Did I get it right? Is that That's right? good. I like it. If Captain Chelsea Raglan okay. and Senior Master Keena Leo were okay. professional wrestlers, okay. what would their wrestling names be? Pure Carnage. Like as, as a team? The, as a, uh, whatever, whatever you think. Yeah. Chelsea Carnage. Chelsea Carnage. That's good. And Lady Leo? I like it. Very. I could see that. So I think... I don't know why, but I bring her up almost in every single episode, Leo. Like, so I'm trying to get her on this podcast, and she keeps shunning me. And probably because she's, like, one of the best senior NCOs in the entire 692nd, yeah. and we just don't point it out for some reason. Yeah, so that's hmm. why I'm trying to get her on this on the podcast to highlight and showcase her. This is my way of, like, trying to publicly – I'm trying to podcast shame her and guilt her into coming on the, the podcast. You should. You should. And when you get on, talk about empathetic or human leadership, right? Because there's a bunch of people that you know can – do something for you, but like you don't want to talk to them. And I could just email them, but like if you talk about people who you actually genuinely feel like care about you, consider you, like, yeah, Sergeant Leo. Like Sergeant Leo is like a counselor and a big sister and an SEL and a superintendent and she babysits and she braids hair. And like she also sells doTERRA products on the side. She doesn't do any of that stuff, but if I said it, it wouldn't be a surprise because she's there for you and almost every other aspect to allow you to go back and do the technical stuff. And yeah. so I feel like we're moving in this split where people are like, do I have to be technical or do I have to be good with people? And you're like, uh, both. Cause you don't get a choice. What do you think you work? This ain't Burger King. You can't have it your yeah. way with leadership. I think she's really, really good on that end. So if she does come up, that would be a perfect topic. And then tell her, I said this or play this for her. I will like, yeah. Makes me think of people who say they're ops admin. I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember seeing ops that. admin just means I don't want to work mission. Last question. If there's a giant billboard and everyone's stuck in traffic and there's a message of yours, like what would you want? What would you want that message to say? DBADB, don't be a douchebag. Is that the Contra code? No, that's no, I'm just really good initialization. Yeah, that's good. Oh, good. That's good. I like it. 
asked Corner Murphy this question and and I've asked this again like this podcast or the my own personal one. She had like special effects and I've never thought about that. She wanted like Vegas lights. Somebody's gonna crash. Isn't there like a weird uh isn't there like a, a giant peach in Georgia that causes people to to, to like crash all the times because when it's illuminated at night it looks like a butt? Isn't that a real thing? I'm getting I'm, I'm getting yes. I have no like, idea. Yeah. So like, like that's a real phenomenon. So like special effects at night like only works because like is Vegas and everything else is lit up. But if it's just like one thing and it's just like shooting fireworks, like people gonna crash. Yeah. However, I support everything Kurt Murphy does. So I think that's a fantastic idea. I do. Like she's from Vegas, so it's fitting. Hey, speaking of like leadership, uh, can you do any celebrity impressions? Chief no, Trish, I am horrible at impressions. Chief Trish did a Sam Jackson impression. I am horrible at impressions. Colonel Mack did a Sam Jackson impression too. It's pretty good. He's not not Sam Jackson. He's pro- he's just the other Nick Fury, right? Okay. Kurt Russell? Yeah. But if he shaved his head? Ooh. That's right. Yeah. Everybody forgets about him. Hashtag equality. That's right. And that was from like, there was an Avengers movie in the 90s or something. Is that what that's from? Oh, yeah. Oh, it, well, it was. I think it was actually, it was actually Kurt Russell who played him, right? Because there's two Nick Furies, right? So there used to be, I'm a comic book nerd. That's my thing. So there used to be, right, the mainstream Marvel Universe where Nick Fury was a white guy Gray Temples, iPad. No, it was David Hasselhoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah, I get them mixed up. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but right, so like white dude, brown hair, gray temples, smoke cigars, eye patch, and then the Ultimate Universe had a character based off of basically Samuel L. Jackson. And then as soon as the Marvel movies came, like it was just like, yes, this is our Samuel L. Jackson. Now he's canon. So when people think Nick Fury, they think Samuel L. Jackson, but that has not always been the case. And so. I fully support Colonel Mack's ability to be Nick Fury if he wants to. I have no idea how we got to this juncture point. That's good. And that's the beauty of podcasts. Because he can do a Samuel L. Jackson impression. That's how we lessen Link. Yeah. But no, I'm horrible at impressions. It is my it is my one weak point. All right. Any parting shots? Any parting thoughts? Thanks for uh, getting this together. I think, I think it was a good conversation. Uh, I hope I didn't uh, over talk. Nope. Yeah. I, I, just, I really, really feel like we elevate a lot of issues and make them seem larger than ourselves because we don't want to do the work to make it happen at the lower level. And I dream of one day being in a unit where like we get offended when people come and try to do things for us because we got it taken care of Uh, and not like, I'm going to shoot my shot and like tag the chief master sergeant in the air force in this post because finance hasn't answered my email. Yeah. Yeah, Just talk to each other, man. That's great. Les Boyd, I appreciate the the wisdom, the knowledge, just the mentorship as always. All right, everyone, that wraps up this episode. If you want to help support, just like and share this Facebook post. Do it. Yeah, do it. Also, subscribe on iTunes. And this podcast is also on Overcast. It's on Stitcher. It's on Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast from, whatever platform. It's also wherever else you share the link. So if you put the link, the link will take you there. So yeah. that's where you can get it. But put it everywhere. We're like to help like this- graffiti in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm trying to help uh, move this this movement along. So I need your support, and that's how you can support. All right, everyone, thanks for your time. Take care. Thanks.